Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? It's Rob Cruz. This is Transcending Sport. I'm your host. My guest is Michael Bastian. He is the CEO of the Fash Pit School, and he is an international softball coach. Coach Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Good morning from the West Coast. I'm out in Reno, Nevada. Happy to be with you. Hope things are going well. Things are going well. I wanted to get, I really wanted to, I mean, I've been wanting to do this podcast with you for so long. We talked about it in Colorado. I think we talked about it in Colorado. Um, yes, um, and it was, it was, and it was, we, I, I want to get to, um, the time we spent in Colorado and how that went and, and, um, but I want to also just, you, I didn't even know how to introduce you because you've done so much, um, all over the world in softball. <laughs> and, uh, I'm confused, I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty confused culturally. So, so I want, I want to, I want to start, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to get into, um, your background, how you got into, and how it became international for you. But but before we get into that, oh my God, I got so much, so much I want to ask you. So before we even get into that, how did you get into softball? Um, how'd that all start? You can start wherever you want to start. You know how you got into sports, how you got into softball, um, and you can start wherever you want to start. Cool, great. Um, I'll try to keep it simple. I'm a young man that grew up in Rio Linda, California, a, a small city, basically in Sacramento, California. Loved sports, actually played college basketball, college baseball. Uh, probably was an average athlete, but I, I loved the game so much. I uh, first started off coaching uh, high school baseball, actually in Rio Linda, and then in, in senior high school, then I coached some Legion baseball. And I was, I was doing camps and clinics around the Sacramento area and got um, invited over to do some work at Sacramento City College, um, which you probably know as a very historical, successful baseball and softball program. Was lucky enough to meet gentlemen like Jerry Weinstein and Tim Kiernan, and they both gave me opportunities in baseball and softball. Um, I ended up working a lot of camps for Coach Kiernan um, with Sacramento City College softball program. He gave me an assistant coaching job. I ended up working for the California School of Baseball and Softball, giving both pitching and hitting lessons. That's probably where I really got first exposed to fast pitch pitching. Mm -hmm. And yeah, pretty much since I, uh, I started off in Sacramento City, my career took off and went across America and then ended up going all around the world. It's uh, been a whirlwind. <laughs> so where did, you, where, did, where did you play college baseball and basketball? I played uh, college baseball and basketball at Sierra College mm -hmm. in Rockland, California mm -hmm. at Sacramento State University. Oh, wow. That's yes, cool. Um, so, you, you 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 did all this stuff in America to get your start, and then you end up overseas. And I happen to know, I'm not sure if the audience knows that you 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 coached the Team USA and and you also coached the Chinese national team. So how did yes, that? How, I'd like to know what that experience was like. And what the what the differences were the major I'm sure there's major cultural differences obviously, um, coaching in Asia and China versus coaching in America. What were some of those differences that were major differences that, and how did you adapt and adjust to those differences? Yeah, I, if you want to go back and tell a little bit of the story, I uh, ended up coaching at probably one of the smallest Division One schools in America, Centenary College in Shreveport, Louisiana. I heard of that. I heard of that. Yeah. I also, 
was an assistant coach at Ohio State University in, in the Big Ten, probably one of the largest schools in America. But after I got done coaching at Centenary, I actually got a job coaching the Akron Racers in the women's professional softball league back then. And I was fortunate enough, lucky enough to end up with some players like uh, Crystal Bustos, Leah Brotz, Nicole Odom, um, had some outstanding high-level athletes. And because of those relationships, that's when I really became a first full-time member of the USA national team coaching pool. Um, I ended up being named a coach for the USA junior national team and ended up on a trip to China for the junior world championships with the Chinese national team. After the uh, pro league changed again, and as it was revamping as it's done many times, I ended up down in Tampa, Florida, working for the Griffey family, Kim Griffey Sr. and Jr. Um, doing their baseball softball camp. Some of you might remember the Instructo Swing. I was a part of the group of uh, promoting and selling the Instructo Swing. And while I was down there, my relationship grew um, with the International Softball Federation and a woman that really changed my life, Cindy Bristow, mm -hmm. who was the director of development at the time for the International Softball Federation. And one day during one of my visits to Plant City, um, Cindy asked me if I'd be interested in uh, traveling the world and giving softball clinics for the ISF. And at that time, I was a single man, not married. I'm like, man, here's a chance to travel the world. Um, get to coach softball, do something I love, and get to see so many cultures. So that's basically how it started. Cool. If you want me to so now, yeah, so now, now you're in China. Never been. I'm sure it was, it was your first time getting getting over to Asia and China. Uh, actually, my first time over was with Team USA. But I will tell you, when you go there as a foreigner and you travel there with Team USA, you don't get to see. Um, I guess what I would call the real China and experience <laughs> how the Chinese live right. because you're put in specific hotels, you're served specific food, right. um, you're, you're protected from a lot of stuff. But mm -hmm. yeah, becoming the head coach of the Chinese national team, boy, was that a real eye-opener to uh, the portrait of the real world. So, okay. so now you're in China, you're coaching the, uh, you have this opportunity, take, take us through this some things that that you know you had to adapt to adjust to the differences yeah you know rob you get my mind racing always into talking to you and i when i when i think of china softball i i made some some shirts with a friend monty van brunt that's also a softball coach i think you know that i found over there to help me inter and interpret for me we put on the shirt communist softball and I'll, I'll never forget that term, communist softball. If I ever get the time and discipline, uh, write, write a book or make a movie, I would call it communist softball. But wow. I and I, I look at the world today with what we're dealing with the pandemic and the coronavirus, and I, I'm like thinking back to my time coaching in China with the discipline and accountability and how much we practice. But when I think of, of coaching in China, the, the first thing I think about is practicing 10 to 12 hours a day, six days a week. Um, and at the end of the day, the girls had to go into a classroom and take notes about what I taught them for two to three hours before they were allowed to, get to go to bed. One of my favorite stories to tell is Wong Lan, who ended up being one of the best pitchers in the world, um, who just finished a career in the MPF and, and pitching for Team China. When I met her, I think she was 15 or 16 years old, and we were in Guangzhou, China, and she'd be out thrown into a net. And, you know, I had a real language barrier again. That was a whole nother story. I could not talk to my players. I could not understand my players. I didn't understand probably 75% of what was going on, but Wong Lan would be out thrown into a net with uh, basically four red markers on the four corners of the strike zone, and she'd be thrown 
she'd throw the ball for two hours, two and a half hours into that <laughs> net. And I would go out and talk to her and, you know, ask her what she was doing. And she would look to me and smile and say hello. And, you know, we were gaining trust. And finally, probably after about a week, she stopped and just said to me in some real good English, Michael, how many till I eat? And basically what she was telling me, she was told to go out there and throw into that net. And when she threw into that net enough, she would get to stop and, and go and eat her lunch or her dinner. And then she would rest and go back at it again. So that, that's one example of the discipline. I can, I can tell you so many stories, but the, 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 the discipline, the accountability, the hard work, that was some of the most amazing um, experience I had with the Chinese national softball team. Wow. So, so and how many years did you spend there? Um, almost four. Okay. Almost four. Yeah, I, I started basically over there um, right at the end of 2004, and then my contract went all the way through the 2008 Olympic Games. Were you able to, did you did you pick up, uh, how much Chinese did you pick up linguistically? Well, one of the <clears throat> stories I can tell you, um, when I got over there and I figured out how big the language barrier was, you know, they would send me interpreters, but the interpreters, they sent me knew nothing about softball. So I would be using softball terms and softball mechanics, and they had no in, no idea how to interpret that. Right. So I became a very good listener, but I wish I would have known back then what I know now. If I would have taken the time to try to maybe do more without the interpreters to speak Mandarin, I would have been better. But the Chinese always told me they were, you know, employing me, paying me to learn Mandarin. They were, you know, paying me to teach and coach softball. So. Today, uh, I think you know I'm married to a, a Chinese woman. I have a mixed race baby, and I can—I'll say I can understand 50 to 75 percent of the Mandarin conversations I hear. Mm -hmm. What I can speak in Mandarin, all the Chinese tell me my pronunciation is very well, but I'm really limited in my, you know, conversational Mandarin Chinese with people. If that—if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And I, I saw a picture of the, of your child. Beautiful, <laughs> really, really beautiful. You, Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> we call her BG for baby girl, big girl, beautiful girl, bad mm -hmm. girl. That's what naming her. Bad girl. <laughs> naming her was another cultural event that was just absolutely crazy. Her, her and I and I also met I also met your wife too at the World Series um a few years ago. Yes, sir. You met Shin Miao. Yep. And she is a she's, she's, former professional softball player. Uh huh. Yeah, and she's she's she's, a, she's wonderful. Really thank nice. You, thank you so much. Really BGBC good. Has rocked my world, changed my life. <laughs> I never thought I would be a father. It's a it's a wonderful time in my life right now. That's great. Thank you. That is great. So now um, you're back in Reno. Um, so wait, let's go back to the to the, to the international part. So you're, you're coaching China in in the Olympics, right? Yes, sir. Again, right. my I, role I, in the Olympics was one of the most interesting coaching roles. Again, yeah, that that's interesting because you have an and there, there's several. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I know there's a Canadian who coaches Venezuela team. There's there's American coaching the Chinese team. So it's like, how how does that talk to me about that? What's that like coaching a, a country that's not really your country? Oh, yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's got to be conflicting a little bit. It was, it was always conflicting. Um, yeah. It was one of the hardest things I ever did. I even get uncomfortable talking about today. Um, resigning from the USA coaching pool and taking the, the position with the Chinese national team. I, I never, ever wanted to um, hurt USA softball or, you know, 
any negative thoughts towards USA softball. One of the things I learned from Sydney Bristow and international softball travels and coaching is that we need to still today, we need to continue to help the game grow mm-hmm. outside of America, outside of Japan, especially it needs to be, you know, be developed in Europe. And when I went over to China, it was, you know, basically to help that country develop their game, prepare for the 2008 Olympic games. And, um, you know, I was honestly, I was treated not, I'll say not the same by some of my American friends, USA softball friends. Some of them, I think, understood more and just realized I was taking an opportunity in my life and my coaching career to coach softball around the world. But mm-hmm. I, I did learn a lot about China-USA relations um, going through that experience. And, you know, during the Olympic Games, I was basically just a consultant for Team China. Um, one of the interesting things that they actually told me up front is that they wanted me to teach the Chinese players, teach the Chinese coaches. Um, the Beijing Olympic Games was the largest event that, you know, they've ever held in sports, probably in, in any of any capacity in China. And they had a former pitcher from the 1996 Olympic Games who won the silver medal, Wang Li Hong, who I was coaching with, and they wanted her to be the focus of the Beijing Olympic Games. But I can tell you one thing, if anybody is a historian, go back and look at the, the statistics from the 2006 World Championships and how Team China played, and that's when I, I talk about I was driving the bus, I was in control of the offense and in control of the pitching. We were actually ranked number one in pitching in 2006. But in 2008, um, the Chinese head coach took control of the game management and the pitchers, and uh, they struggled. I'll just put it this way. They really struggled. So that was really interesting for me to see the same group of players that I posted in Japan. And in Australia, we actually beat Canada, had a, a fairly competitive game with Team USA, but in 2008, they uh, were uh, were not even close to the medal round. So a lot you can learn from, uh, from those experiences. So the first time I met you, I, I don't even remember the year. It had to be like 07 or 08. It was, that sounds I, about right. I don't know if you remember, we were in Cathedral City, California, Palm Springs, the, the Palm Springs Classic. And before you, it was Mary Nutter. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. I, yeah, I think it was before that. Um, and we, <laughs> you had this really interesting hitting device, which was a yes, sir, the, the whip it, the whip it. And I, you know, it was funny. I was cleaning out my car the other day, and I had three whippets in the car. <laughs> you found them in your car? I have them. I still have them. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! And that thing, you know, that that device actually helped. A lot of hitters that I've that I've had just to understand, um, you know, hand path and barrel path and, and and just sequencing with the hands and the feel feeling the whip and understanding when the when the release of the in the just a lot of this different different feels that you have to have for hitting. But um, so, what's up with that? What's up with the whip? It How, that, that product. Well, that product. If I, could, if I could take the time to tell you the story on that one, yeah, uh, that is an amazing journey, and that that whip kit has been a lot of fun. And there's actually some news that I'll let out a little bit here with you on your podcast that's active right now but going back to when i first started learning to coach there my uh, interpreter we were trying to teach swing mechanics and i was using a simple term like keep your hands inside of the ball yes and my interpreter would say in mandarin put your hands inside of the ball <laughs> and my olympic level players would look at me and shake their head and frown and like you can't put your hands in the ball so my interpreter joey at the time became a great friend of mine 
he didn't understand what it meant to keep your hands inside the ball in the hand path. Right. So I was struggling. I would lay in bed, frustrated, cry, thinking I need to quit because I couldn't <laughs> communicate. And I actually had a flashback of being a swimmer when I was young and how we would dip the end of a towel into the pool. We would roll it up and mm. I could snap with that towel whip and pretty much hit any target. And I honestly went out to a tee and I put a ball on a tee and I took my towel and actually taped it up with some electrician's tape and I was able to snap a ball off the tee. My mind really started working and I said, you know, I'm gonna tape a softball to the end of this towel. I taped a softball and I started hitting the ball off the tee with a softball. Then I said, you know, let's make a smaller target. So I put a baseball on the end of the target um, I took those out to practice um, the following days with the Chinese national team. Their eyes got big, their hand path changed. Um, I had a friend in Ohio by the name of Howard Carrier. Um, at the time we were communicating a lot, he helped me in China. I asked him if he would make me some prototypes of the whippet. And we, we measured it off. It's basically 27 inches to the sweet spot on the 37 inch bat. So we put a, a bat handle, we cut it off, we put a rope on there. We cut a hole through the softball with the first primitive primitive whippets. We tied a knot on it, and uh, I trained um, trained with those whippets, and they they were great, fantastic. I saw the hand pass change in the Chinese national team. Little did I know that there would be interest um, in America around the world. So me and a friend, Sean Morley, who actually lives in Melbourne, Australia, he was an American that was living in Beijing that I met. We manufactured some of the first whippets. Um, in America, brought him back, sold every single one I had. The hardest part of the whippet was was keeping the connector point between the ball and the rope from, from breaking down because there was just so much energy being transferred there. Mm -hmm. So over time, um, it just became a burden to get those manufactured and to replace them if they were a, a defective product. So I kind of let that manufacturing go away, but recently I've developed a, a, a good relationship with the manufacturers at Bonet, and I gave them an old whipping. I said, hey, would you guys be interested in thinking about, you know, putting this back on the market and remanufacturing it? And they're actually researching that right now and doing some studies about bringing the, the whippet back. We're talking about putting on different weighted balls at the end of the bat so we could have a model with a little bit softer ball because it can get painful hitting yourself with that ball if you swing and miss or don't know how to swing it and then putting a heavier ball on the end of it because our major league players and higher level, more higher level softball players wanted a heavier ball mm -hmm. at the end of the whippet to uh, to get more you know bat speed or, or ball speed into the, the collision between the two balls, if that makes sense. That's pretty good. So now... <laughs> This past summer, and you know, I, we we always run into each other here and there, and you know, you'll drop me a you'll drop me a, a, a direct message on Twitter or something, and we'll we'll we have these little uh, we we kind of pass each other and say hello, real briefly, but we never really had a real interaction, especially developmentally, um, until this past summer in Colorado, and it was funny because that was a very very impromptu. Um, Experience that I, that you know I was work I did some you know Jamie Dufac from NCSA, shout out to Jamie. Um, is, What's up, Jamie? So do I. She's a long time long, long time friend, and um, I I happened to be in Colorado. I think we had a couple of rain, a little bit of rain out in Colorado. There were so many teams there, but I had brought with me the right eye training system, the right eye um, 
visual acuity training system, assessment system. And I wanted to show her how it worked and how we were able to do the visual assessments. So I said, hey, I'd love to come by. And, you know, she had some players that were coming over to do the combine and, all, and some of the uh, NCSA testing. And it just so happened that, you know, your team was the team that <laughs> got the opportunity to to participate in the impromptu trial, uh, <laughs> I guess, compilation, if you want to call it. So anyway, um, yeah, go ahead. That was an amazing day. I, I got to tell you real quickly, that was an amazing day. And I'm mm-hmm. so happy that you and Jamie invited our Team GFS team out there. Um, one of the funny stories I don't think I've been able to tell you. So we got up really in the more early in the morning on that day to go out there and meet you guys. Uh-huh. And I think my my team was just so mentally fatigued after going through that training with you. We played like absolute garbage that day. <laughs> so but most everybody was so excited and happy about what they learned um, with you using the Right Eye program and and, and, and learning in that program with you and Jamie. So we're so very thankful with how much we learned that day. So thanks very much for having us. Yeah, that, that was a pleasure. And, and so I was intrigued, by the way. And I, that's, that's my next thing I want to talk about. I was intrigued by the concept of calling a team a school. Now, I know IMG does that in, uh, um, with, on the baseball side and, and, and tennis. And they have, I think IMG has a basketball team. They have, you know, women's golf and... And I was also intrigued by the fact that you had players from all over the country on your team. And I, I just wanted to find, I just, I'm just curious, how, how, how'd that happen? Yes, sir. Man, you, uh, Rob, I always enjoy running into you and having the time to talk to you because you ask great questions and you make me think. And I always love to have conversations mm-hmm. with people that make me think. Um, the name of my business, and it, it's been this for many, many years, is The Fast Pitch School. And I honestly, I tell people all the time when I get asked this question, I don't think I'm a coach. I think I'm a teacher. (laughs) And I I have fun teaching people what to do. One of the biggest things I talk about all the time to my players is I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to teach you what to do. And I'm going to ask you questions. And I'm going to make you figure out what you need to do. Because if I just tell you what to do all the time, um, you're never really going to understand when that situation arises, when I'm not around, knowing how to figure out, oh, there's that situation again. I got to do this, process this, and make that decision. So, when I when I started my business years ago, and I learned from some great teachers in baseball and softball, um, if you just always give away the answers and, and, and tell kids what you want them to do, you're not really develop them, developing them in, in their softball skills, baseball skills, or life skills. So. Team TFS is a um, organization that's built on, you know, our mission statement is, you know, providing an education and life skills through the sport of softball. Um, that team in Colorado that you saw, I had kids from across the country. I, I think we had some Canadian kids there that day, so we were international. But I've, I've had players from China, all over Europe, Australia, Canada, um, you know, come play for Team TFS. So we're not the normal club softball organization or team in America and honestly if I'm critical of myself and what I do I don't think at that level of you know 18 and under age group softball we don't spend a lot of time on trying to win games or trying to win national championships Um, we we focus mostly on development on human you know development skills softball skills I, I say all the time I've been fortunate enough to coach some of the best players in the world. We've had Team GFS girls win national championships at the Division One level. 
but we also make the kids that are struggling to make it to some of the lowest level of play of junior college softball in America. We try to help them the same way and get them into college so they can get an education and, and hopefully. Yeah, that's great. So, <laughs> so that's good. So, um, so good looking forward to where do you see TFS in the next three to five years, two to five years in terms of where you want to take the program from where it is now? How has it grown? How has it developed? How has it changed? How has it evolved since its inception to now? And then what do you see going forward? Yeah, great question. And I think because of all my travel and all my international travel, I have not done a tremendous job of managing the business aspect of developing Team TFS. You see the success of the Batbuster organization out of Orange County, Mm -hmm. the Firecrackers out of Southern California. Now Scott's doing a great job with his organization in Texas, uh, I'm trying to remember the name right now. What's Scott Smith's organization called? He's going to be mad at me. I was talking earlier, but you have all these successful organizations now, club softball. But I, I didn't focus on that. But I'll tell you a funny story. United Airlines called me up actually last week and, and said, Michael, uh, is there a problem you have with United Airlines? You don't seem to be flying as much as you used to, to fly, especially internationally. And I laughed at him. I said, I'm married and I have a, an 11-month-old baby. And the, uh, the person from United kind of laughed at me and understood. So stay home more. Um, I'm going to be in America more. I'm actually developing what what we're calling my Team TFS Elite Team or Team TFS Bastion, where I'm going to try to compile the best players from TFS in America and put them together and play this summer. Um, we're hoping that the coronavirus won't affect this summer season, but I have put together a group of. Uh, elite athletes that I'm really excited about and we're going to play in some major events this summer and I'm hopeful that me finally focusing on putting you know a group of athletes together that this will you know help the organization be more successful and grow more I must say I'm leaving um, two to five roster spots open for most of the events to be able to invite some international kids or to give some different kids an opportunity from around America. But yeah, my focus is, you know, my summer now is going to be leading and, and being the head coach for Team TFS Bastion this summer. So I'm excited about that. That's great. That's that's a great thing. So, um, so yeah, so that, I mean, you pretty much hit everything right on the head in terms of what I want to go over. Um, uh, how do we get... To share all this information, we got too much to talk about. <laughs> so I, I, I always like to have my guests when they come on the show, especially for the first time. I'm, I'm like introducing you to my to my to my audience. So yeah, man, it's been too long. you know, come it's taken so long. Man. I know. So like, first thing I want to do is I want my audience to know co- who Coach Michael Bastion is, where he came from, how he got to where he is, and you know, and what and what what you're doing. And then when I bring you back on again, then we can start talking. You know, because, of course, my audience is going to follow you and they're going to look you up on social media and they're going to want to, you know, kind of dig a little deeper. Because that's the kind of audience I think I have. And we, we actually transcend sports here on Transcending Sport. So it's like we, I, we could talk about hitting and we could talk about hitting philosophies and we could do all that. But like there's there are there are people that are interesting, that have contributed to the game, that have contributed to sports, that have influenced 
so many people all throughout their lives and have had influence and been influenced by so many different people worldwide that have so much to share and their stories need to be told and people want to hear from them and we want to we want to inspire other people at the same time so i think you know usually the first you know first podcast we you know we go introductory who are you where are you where are you going what have you done what are you doing and then we start getting down to the nitty gritty on, on, on the next podcast. So hopefully, having said that, I could definitely bring you back. That's, that's man, Rob, that's outstanding. You're a, a very intelligent man doing very, very awesome, intelligent things with your teaching and what you're doing. So I'm, I'm so happy I can be here and I hope I can come back several times to keep. All I want to do, I, I, I never thought I would get to be 57 years old where I am now. I always thought I would you know, be 20 or whatever. As you age and go through life, you learn things go by really fast. And one of the biggest things I'm learning now is I hope I can take everything that I've learned and everything that I've experienced and give it to other people because as we all know, we don't, we don't live forever. So one of my biggest goals in life right now is to share as much as I can about what I've experienced and what I've learned. So I thank you so much for having me on here today. How do we get in touch with you? What is what's the social? How do we follow team team? Uh, how do we follow uh, the fast pit school? How do we? I'm on I'm on Facebook probably where I'm most active. You probably know that I'm there's Michael Bastian. There's a few Michael Bastians, but if you look for softball, Michael Bastian softball, I'll probably come up on Twitter. I am at Coach Bastian, and probably our most uh, proactive, reactive website right now is TeamTFS.net is where um, where you can find me the most on the internet right now. But I'm, I'm most active on Facebook. I should say for the people that have WeChat, which is called Weixin in China, and let me tell you, it's a great place to be right now with what's going on in the world. To actually have a translator, uh, you can almost you can also find me on WeChat as Michael Bastion. So that's a little something new that maybe not too many of your listeners have heard, from, heard about before. I know about WeChat. <laughs> uh, there you go. I know about it's it. An, it's, 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 it's basically... It is really amazing, and it's a really amazing communication platform too. That a lot of people, because you know, I have <clears throat> I have a cousin who is the uh, she's a she's a VP for the NBA. Oh wow! And you know, the NBA and China have had a really interesting relationship over the past several years. And what most people don't know is that the NBA, that basketball in China, there are more people playing basketball in China than there are in the United States. That is correct. That like, is correct. Like we don't even we don't even know how big China. We don't even have we have no idea how big China is. <laughs> that is so very true. China is just ginormous compared to the USA, in my opinion. Exactly. So there's, there's a big world out here, and I think you know, I've always, as as a person who is a history major, um, I pride myself in really understanding world history, and world perspectives on history which is usually more true than what we've learned here <laughs> um so i've always pro- oh yeah please please by, by all means that's um probably really important today a lot of people are asking me questions now about what china is doing to control the virus there mm-hmm. well, one of the simplest things that i learned by watching my wife is you can do all financial transactions any, any and all financial traction, transactions in China right now on your WeChat app with your phone. So most all the families were quarantined and, and staying home for, gosh, a month. Um, people were getting arrested for going outside. 
people were getting arrested for not wearing face masks. But one of the things that they had, they had that WeChat app, and they could go on the app and they could order any and all the food that they wanted if they wanted prepared prepared food. Um, you know, sent to their apartment, or if they wanted to order groceries, they just sat in their home with their application and were to take care of all those transactions on their phone. And then the, the Chinese government had all these different delivery people set up to, you know, carry these goods safely without transmitting or carrying uh, the coronavirus. And that that was amazing just to learn about how they were doing the, the actual transactions for the essentials as we talk about. And one of my favorite things I'm going to kind of interesting stuff right there yeah that's great so <laughs> nah we're good we're good so um, like I said we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna I wanna get back to you on some things um uh, hopefully I'll run into you over the summer or maybe I'll run into you I, I have not, I'm not sure where I'm gonna go yet uh, this summer sadly, I won't see you at the World Series I know we wanna keep it light but sadly I won't see you at the World Series <laughs> that's disappointing I know that would've been cool and I was, I was planning on going cause I hadn't gone I didn't go the last two years and I was planning on going this year this year um, but you know, we'll, we'll like I said, we adjust. We adjust. Hopefully, I'll see you in Colorado again. If not, somewhere out there. Yeah, we'll catch up. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, th- thanks a lot for joining the podcast today. And All right, thank you so much for having me, Rob. Of it's course. Been a great time. Of Always course. Enjoy talking to you. Of course, and we'll be in touch. Stay safe, everybody. All right. Take care. If you want more power, better vision, and a bulletproof mindset, then I would like to welcome you to CG+, Complete Games Online Player Development Center. Now, baseball and softball players of all ages and skill levels can access a multimedia experience providing education and instruction on your personal mobile platform. Rob Cruz has put together an online video portal, a remote hitting program, as well as a series of online hitting courses boasting a curriculum that features pitch recognition strategies, power, video analysis, mental skills, and then some. For more info, log on to www.cg.plus. That's www.cg.plus to find out how you can complete your game today.